0: Welcome to your final score podcast where you're listening to the final word on any and all debate in sports today. With you as always is your boy Wyatt. It has been an entire year since our last episode and I cannot wait to get started and talk sports with you guys again. I have missed you. I have missed this and I can't wait to get started. But before I do, I got to toss it over to my co-host, my right hand, the legend himself, Matty P. Welcome back to the podcaster
1: yeah it's been a while it's been over a year probably like fifteen months since I've been on um I'm ready to talk sports again a lot of things have happened in my life I've got engaged since this the last episode I'm buying a house in the process of doing that I moved to Jacksonville I graduated with a master's degree I'm working at you know u f health which I know I'm a Florida state person but I got a represent where I'm actually working, so UF Health is where I'm working, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about talking a little bit of your topics today, and uh, ready to get after it.
0: Uh, with the NBA Finals about to kick off on Tuesday night, July 6th, uh, I think the biggest the biggest storyline in these NBA playoffs, Matty P., has been the injury bug. There's been a lot of guys, a lot of notable players, that have missed time starting first with, the obviously, the defending champ L.A. Lakers, Anthony Davis going down, I believe, in Game 4, and then didn't play the rest of the way. LeBron James, after the playoffs, said he wasn't 100% with an ankle. Um, Kawhi Leonard didn't play at all in the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets' big three, Kyrie Irving and James Harden both were hampered, and they were bounced out in the second round. So just a lot of really unfortunate situations. We didn't get a lot of, a chance to see a lot of these teams Assembled as they were meant to be. And uh, I think one of the biggest exciting, you know, side effects, I guess, or the the other outcome of the NBA playoffs is the fact that we've seen a lot of young stars, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mm -hmm. Mitchell, Booker, Trey Young, all having incredible breakout performances in the playoffs. What do you make of this ridiculous postseason? Well, you know,
1: it's been crazy because... I've always wanted these young players to kind of really explode onto the scene, and they have. You know, I think that Doncic, Trey Young trade. You know, I don't really know which team got the worst at the end of it because they're both really studs. And um, but yeah, like this postseason has, I loved it. Like I, I, I have absolutely loved it. The new blood is is great to to watch, and um, I'm just ready. I'm ready for. You know, some somebody knew somebody knew. I'm I've always been on the train of of the of Phoenix Suns, even beginning of, of the playoffs. Um, I even I liked them in the Lakers series, and I liked them to win the whole thing. I, Utah was the number one seed, but um, I, I always thought the Phoenix Suns were hot at the right time. They played well going to the playoffs, and they just have this this like this aura around them. Um, they play they play great team
0: basketball, and I I love it. I really do. Um, to counter your point about Phoenix, and, and, and I agree with you, I think they've played great basketball. They've they've played whoever's in front of them, but something that concerns me about the Phoenix Suns is there hasn't been that adversity yet. They haven't. I haven't seen them get punched in the mouth and respond. And of course, you could obviously argue they've been the ones doing the punching, uh, but you know I think that they've they've kind of been able to. They've had arguably the easiest path to get to the finals of all the teams that were in this playoffs, they got the benefit of not playing a fully loaded Lakers, not playing a fully loaded Denver. And then obviously Kawhi Leonard goes down before they get to face them in the Western conference finals. So are you concerned at all that maybe Phoenix has not had a chance to play a full roster the way it was meant to be assembled?
1: No, I, I mean, I think they've, they've battled it as well too. You look at Chris Paul, he battled the shoulder injury um, in the first series uh, he had then he had went, went and had the COVID protocols where he was out as well. So they were never at fully strength until they got to like the, the Clippers um, series, and and then even the Clippers series could have went the 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 Clippers way if you I agree. if you look if you look at the eight and um, you know tip slam. So Clippers could easily have been on the other side of that, and and they they battle they were battle tested in that series. I I I think Phoenix, you know. Not that they survived the series, but the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard put up a fight, and I think that, that that's
0: that's, what, that's yeah. my point. That's that's what I'm trying to say. I, I think that you know the Clippers, a team that was not at full strength, really tested the Phoenix Suns. And I think if you just look at the six games that they played, you could you could argue that that the Clippers, in many ways, outplayed the Suns in most of those games. Mm-hmm. I think they lost a lot of these games at the free throw line with Paul George. So I just. I, there's a part of me that wonders when they face Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference, and I think a lot of it tends, you know, tends to fall on is Giannis going to be 100% in this series. But when I look at Milwaukee play, and you know, I pick Milwaukee to come out of the East, um, and I think I think Milwaukee with Giannis has a has a huge advantage in the finals because they've been a really good team, not even just this year from start to finish. They've been a team that has been on the verge for two or three seasons with Giannis at the helm. Number one uh, in scoring this year, 120 points a game. Third highest field goal percentage. I think half of their games this year, they shot over 50% from the floor. I mean, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I I think Milwaukee fully loaded as a full team with a healthy Giannis creates a lot of matchup problems for the Phoenix Suns.
1: Do you think that... Drew Holiday and Brook Lopez will play um you know well enough to like counteract even the Phoenix Suns bench cuz that's something that I've really um been high on too is the Phoenix bench has played very very well during these playoffs um probably the most consistent bench play um it, out of all the teams um so do you do you think that Drew Holiday has to drop 25 to 30 a night with ten assists do you think Brooke Lopez has to drop 15 and 10 um, to, to win, to, like to compete in the series, or, or is it just based on Giannis? Like, if Giannis comes back, it, it changes the whole game where they compete.
0: Well, when I look at the starting five for these two teams, I I think there's it's honestly both ways. Very interesting and intriguing matchups. I think Drew Holiday is a good counter for Chris Paul. I think I mean he's a tough defensive player that I think plays defense first a lot of the times, especially if Giannis is on the floor. I think he's more focused on that defensive end and then facilitating. Um, and he's a younger player than Chris Paul. I think that th- he's probably the best point guard that Chris Paul has faced the entire postseason.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I mean, you know, So I think that it's going to be a challenge for Chris Paul, who's you know, what 37 years old, has been banged up a little bit in the postseason. I think that's a, a slight edge potentially for Milwaukee there. And then I think, honestly, a big X factor in this series that people don't talk about, the guy you didn't mention is... P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup, I I would imagine he guards Devin Booker the entire series, much like he guarded Kevin Durant in the second round. And I know Kevin Durant scored 40 points against him, but Kevin Durant's also the greatest scorer that the league's ever seen. So (laughs) his release point is 10 feet in the air. So I think P.J. Tucker, honestly, and I know he's not going to do a lot of things offensively for you, but he's also not a liability shooting the basketball. I'm very interested to see the kind of impact he can have on Devin Booker. Because if he can rattle Devin Booker in this series and mentally take him out of a few games, I think that's where the Phoenix Suns are going to struggle. Because I don't think Chris Paul is going to be able to score as many points as he has throughout the Western Conference playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we're really going to need Devin Booker to be consistent because he's had some on and off games. His average looks really nice. But there's been some games where he has disappeared. I think this is a huge test for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You look at his average. He's averaging 27 points a game in the playoffs. But yes, I, I do recognize that there are games where it, it's he was kind of non-existent or quarters. It's like, not even the games. That he was like non non-existent, but quarters were like, where's where's Devin Booker? You know, um, or even then he gets in foul trouble a lot too for a guy who's um, you know a guard, which normally you wouldn't say that he would get in foul trouble, but he's. Like I, I I can't remember what game it was, but he was in foul trouble and he couldn't even finish the end of the game, you know. Yeah. And I think and and the and the Suns end up winning that game. But you know you got to have Booker pro- probably your best player on the, on the court, you know, at at critical times. You know you have. I I think the X factor though in the series is going to be De- DeAndre Ayton, no matter if Giannis is there or not. Yeah. Um I I think the problem like what I have a struggle with 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 Milwaukee. Is how Atlanta, with Capella and um, and John Collins, still got to still got uh, their rebounds. We're still averaging a double double um, in every game. So, and I think Aiton is just that much better than those guys uh, that like down below. Um, and he can run and gun, like similar to Capella. But I think Aiton has just got has gotten to that level where he he is a true big man, but he can run the floor. So I think they he's gonna give them a lot of problems because he is one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. And Atlanta is the best offensive rebounding team, um, like statistically. Uh but they uh Milwaukee seemed like they couldn't figure that out. And that's what I have I think Ayton is the X factor in this in this series.
0: Yeah, Aiton has Ayton has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, talking going back to that point you made earlier about the Trey Young um, Luka Doncic trade. Remember, Aiton was the was the number one number, pick on that yeah. draft, right? And a lot of people were wondering, hey, like, did we whiff with Luka and Trey being so good, and like he's doing just as well in the playoffs, um, and and being just as effective?
1: Yeah, he reminds me of uh, like a young Kawhi Leonard, where it took him about like what has it been three years, three four years in the league to really develop his game where he can be super effective. And, like, Kawhi Leonard wasn't, like, a superstar right when he got in the league, but he fine-tuned his game to be effective in in the league. And now look where he's at. Ayton has done the same thing, where he has, like, steadily climbed, climbed, climbed. He had a lot of expectation. At first, he wasn't, like, a, a dominant player his first year. You know, he wasn't a Zion Williamson where he just, like, exploded off the scene, like, in, in, in his first year where that, where he was expected to. But he wasn't. He's not a Zion Williamson. Like Zion had all that hype with him, and then he kind of, you know, he he performed. But Ayton has steadily climbed, kind of flown underneath the radar, and then now he's, you know, probably one of the best big men in the league at 20, 22 years old.
0: Uh, last point I want to make about this series, and it's a guy that we've talked about for a long time in the NBA, especially ever since Milwaukee kind of became a relevant team with Giannis, is. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton has had several moments very similar to a you know, a Paul George where the team was expecting a thirty point night and he goes out there and shoots three of three of twelve or three of thirteen and kind of disappears. But when I watch Chris Middleton, and he's had some games similar to that this year, but when I watch him play, he has really changed from where he used to kind of be a, a spot up three point shooter and I watched that series against Atlanta, even against Brooklyn, he has really developed and become a much better overall player. Um, if Giannis doesn't go, he has to be big in this series, right? Yeah.
1: No, I mean, if you look at his, like, he, Chris Middleton always been a scorer, and yes, there's some nights where he's a little bit off, but he's still consistently averaging 20 to 25 a night, even, even last year and the year before. But, like, how he's distributing the ball – his like assist and rebound numbers. He the, the man was averaging I think in the la- in last series, he was averaging over 9 rebounds a game. You know, like that's the type of stuff that you have to have to win a series and Chris Middleton never really had that part of his game, but he's he's really developed into a triple-double type of guy. He, he never gets to like, you know, 10 10 or 20 10 10, but he's close. He's like, you know, 30 seven and seven, you know, like every okay. every night. So he's really, really improved, and I, I'm I'm glad because Chris Middleton, I've always
0: liked him. I always liked him coming out of college in Texas A&M. You well, know, and people forget he was a second-round pick. Right, exactly. He was a second-round pick, and for what he has been able to turn into in the NBA, I think is, is not talked about enough. I know he's had some, some shortcomings, but being a second-round pick, going to Milwaukee, and being that second fiddle to Giannis for all these years – I'm really excited to see what he could do on the NBA Finals floor.
1: I agree. And and I he got selected to the Olympic team too. He's gonna he's gonna be playing the Olympic team and that that for him as a second round guy, uh, that got picked, he's really developed, he's got to a level where he's a superstar and, and he, he throws, on, throws his throws is runs under the radar, but this last series, even last two series, when Giannis has been not, you know, been hurt, he's really taken over and it's really nice to see.
0: So Manny P to wrap this thing up I think I have a good idea of who you're going to pick, but I want to know how many games you think it's going to take here. What is your prediction for the NBA Finals?
1: I'm going to take uh, Suns in six. Suns in six? Suns in six. Just because they have, you know, uh, they have home court and, yeah.
0: I think, I think if Giannis can play in this series, I think Milwaukee wins. I think I'm going to take Milwaukee in seven. Okay milwaukee and seven if Giannis can play um it still stands if he doesn't play i'm just gonna have to go with it i'm okay. just gonna have to All ride right. with I, the bucks i was gonna so ask you I was gonna i'm ask not gonna you. say there's no caveat no but i, yeah. I think he will play yeah uh, and you, i still you, believe in the bucks overall
1: you got to play who's in front of you right
0: you got to play who's in front of you that's what yeah. happened with toronto a couple of years ago we didn't take anything away from them yep. it is what it is
1: so it's um, a, it'll be exciting series
0: i if if Giannis does not suit up for game one and Milwaukee steals game one in Phoenix, do you think about not rushing him back even for game two and keep him as fresh as you can maybe for his first game at home?
1: Yeah, I, I would. If I was if I was the coach or I was the making the man making decisions, I would I would rest him. I think you, you know? I think
0: you rest Giannis until you absolutely need him. Yeah. And I think you absolutely need him after you drop game one in Phoenix.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree.
0: Alright. Well we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back on the other side of it, we're gonna be talking some NFL. I'm gonna get Matty P's take on his Minnesota Vikings. And you Dolphin fans out there are gonna hear from me because I'm not happy with a lot of you. Stay tuned. And welcome back to your Final Score podcast. We just got done talking about the NBA Finals. We're giving our predictions for that series. Matty P's got Phoenix winning it all in six. I'm taking the Bucks with or without Giannis in the lineup in seven. Uh, definitely a bold prediction, but I'm going to roll the dice. I believe the big guy's going to get back out there and play this series out. Uh, moving ahead to the NFL, though, Matty P, it's been kind of a quiet offseason. You know, we, we haven't had that big move like Tom Brady going down to Tampa Bay. Uh, we had Julio Jones's trade to the Tennessee Titans, and obviously the Aaron Rodgers and uh, Green Bay Packer drama. But really, other than that, it's been kind of a quiet off season. Um, so I kind of want to take some time and talk about our teams. I know you're a big Vikings fan. Where do you think the Vikings stand this season? Because I believe that you're kind of at the end of the road with Kirk Cousins, and as far as he, we've seen, as far as he can take you. So what do you feel about the Vikings and what they've done in the offseason? Well, for the record, I just want to
1: say that yes, I was on the Kirk Cousins train when it first uh, went, started, you know, chugging along. When we signed him, I was super excited, you know. When originally got him from the Redskins, I was excited about what he was going to do with Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I was like, this is going to be the makings of a great offense, you know. And I think most people had that same assertion. Um, but as I reflect on it. He's making 21 million dollars this year. He's going to he's making 35 million dollars next year. Okay, he he had this two-year extension. I don't really understand the whole concept, maybe because we didn't really have anything else at quarterback other than when we you know, we drafted Kyle Mon, but that before the draft when he gets ex- extended for two more years. I think it's just a move to kind of stay level, stay steady. And I, and I don't know if that was the right idea because we're going to be hit with a salary uh, cap issue of $45 million we really I I, I do applaud this offseason for the Vikings they've really picked up a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball like Dalvin Tomlinson at D-tackle Patrick Peterson the cornerback um, McKenzie Alexander's coming back um, after he had a stint uh, somewhere else uh, so that we have key free agent guys that we picked up which at a at a smaller price than normal you know and uh yes they're going to all going to be on one year contracts but i feel like we're in a situation where we were like the Ram- like the rams were a couple years back where they signed a bunch of one year guys and then after that like they kind of just fell off you know so i'm i don't want that to happen but i'm feeling that this is going to happen and like i'm excited for this year you know, just because of the defense and like we we've been so young on defense, um, our cornerbacks played really well this year um, with danceler Dancer was you know all all rookie team and 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 we still have Kendricks in the middle uh, that 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 hold it down. But for the future, I'm I'm worried about the future after this next year because you know for a bunch of these free agent guys, you know, are done after a year and we can't pay anybody to come back because we're paying Kirk Cousins 35 million dollars in a year. Like what are we doing?
0: Yeah, you know. Minnesota to me, it feels like they've had the window open. Yeah, the window and... was
1: open and we couldn't seal the deal anywhere. We we've made the playoffs once in the last what four or five years with Kirk Cousins at the helm. Once made the playoffs. If you're making thirty million dollars a year, you gotta you gotta compete for an NFC championship. You gotta compete for a Super Bowl. We're not even making the playoffs.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I, I I just think that, you know, I, I was with you too. I thought Kirk Cousins. I mean, all you gotta do is add a serviceable quarterback to that roster at the time, and at the time the roster was even better than it is now. They right. didn't have Dalvin Cook when he first got there, but that roster was was damn good, and it yeah. just never. I mean, even after the Minneapolis miracle, just nothing. That was the that was the high point. Like yeah. after all this, you know, your Vikings fans are thinking Super Bowl, but really the best moment so far has been a fluke hail mary, basically. And and the thing is, is I, I I try to
1: credit Kirk Cousins a little more than I probably should, just because he has been a very, very efficient guy. But he can't win the big game. He can't win it when it's two minutes or less and you're trying to, you know, take a lead. You're trying to kick a field goal. We can't even kick a field goal anymore because our kickers are so bad. But, you know, like, to to make a drive down the field to win a game, Kirk Cousins isn't that guy. And and you can, you can fault the offensive line all you want. Cause yes, they've been young. Yes, they've been riddled with injury the last two, three years. But... If you can't get it done this year, you can if you can't even make the playoffs with with two guys, you you got you got a, a offensive tackle Darius from from um uh from Virginia Tech, a, a left tackle, he's going to be secured. You're going to move probably Cleveland to right guard or left guard to like to, to clean up the, you know, the guard position because our guards are awful. I know that. Like our offensive line has been terrible. I I understand that. And Kirk Cousins, you know, gets banged up a lot. But if you're making $30 million, you got to make a play like once in a while, like out of the pocket. You know, he he, he's not a Tom Brady where he can just sit back and dissect. He's not that guy. He's not he's not good enough. Like, I'm sorry. I've seen it the last five, four or five years. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little passionate about it, but it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And like when you make a deal like that or you sign a guy for that much money back in the, you know, it if, if he doesn't hit, it screws your franchise for a long while. It's, it really does. Because you can't put any pieces on the defense. You can't put any pieces on the offensive line. you got to draft everybody at a cheap price. And who knows if those guys are going to pan out. We don't know. So I, I'd hope so. Maybe a left tackle that we secured in the first round, maybe that helps. But, you know, Kirk Cousins got to make a play once in a while. You know, he can't be throwing... 80, he can't be seventy percent completion percentage and like throwing for four four thousand yards and like fifteen touchdowns in a year. That that doesn't make any sense, you know. So, how so how are the Finns doing this year?
0: <laughs> Listen, I I just you know I I alluded to it before we went to break, Matty P. But I've been very disappointed with some with some Dolphins fans. So a lot of Dolphin fans on Twitter. A lot of these. uh sites, the Finn Sider, Finn Fanatic, all these people who write for all these, you know, the local columns and stuff like that. And I'm I'm seeing Dolphin fans and Dolphin writers turning on Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. Turning on a rookie quarterback who we drafted fifth overall pick last year and, you know, they see the success of what Justin Herbert did uh, with his numbers and winning rookie of the year and they're thinking, Oh, we could have had Herbert and here we are with Tua, who didn't have I'm, I mean, I'm honest with you. He didn't have a super impressive year. But let's have some context here. Tua through, I think, 300 fewer passing attempts than Justin Herbert. Yeah, that's a totally different offense. <laughs> he de- he's not a gunslinger. We have a top-scoring defense in the NFL. Coach Brian Flores knows this, decides we're going to play conservative, one, because we don't wanna ruin what our defense is doing, and two, because I have a rookie quarterback coming off of a horrific hip injury behind a bad offensive line. I'm not gonna drop two of back. I'm not gonna roll him out of the pocket. I'm not gonna do all these crazy things with him because he's not ready to play yet. His health is not there yet. This is last year. He looks better than ever in the off season. Listen, I, I read an article this off season. The first the first practice the first Dolphins practice of the year. Oh, Tua throws six picks in practice during a monsoon. And they made a big deal out of it. This is practice. And the, 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 the best part of the article was the very end of it when they had a quote from Brian Flores. You know what Brian Flores said in the interview when they asked him about it? He said, yeah, yeah it's practice. He said, yeah, we, we try and do things and see if they work in practice. And then we either do them in the game or we don't do them. Stop making a big deal about him throwing picks in practice. Seriously. Yeah, I, I and, I, and I'm over it. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm over people like th- this is Dolphin fans not understanding. Like guys, we have it made right now. And I remember there was a lot of discussion during the draft time. Like, okay, do we take? We have all these draft assets. Do we even take one of these other quarterbacks and have a quarterback competition? No, because then it's a sunken cost. You have two quarterbacks and no team around him. I think to the point you were making about Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings you guys had the roster first and then you paid a quarterback who we have now seen is not good enough to put you over the top. Right. But with the Dolphins, we have a complete team with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract so now let's say Tua does tank this year. Then we'll know he's not the answer. And we'll right. have some flexibility to either go sign a free agent quarterback or draft another guy. But either way, we have we have positioned ourselves with a lot of really good pieces, a elite defense, and we have one of the best young coaches in football. Did you know that Brian Flores was listed by CBS Sports as the sixteenth best coach in the NFL? Can you can, you're telling me half the league is better than Brian Flores? That's pathetic. Half the league. I can't even name I can't even name sixteen other coaches. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I feel about the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, Dolphin fans need to relax.
1: Yeah, we, they
0: we, do. We, we, we won ten games last year with a senior citizen and a baby splitting wraps at quarterback. <laughs> and if we were in the, if we were in the NFC East, we would have been in the playoffs. We'd have been a damn three seed in the NFC. So just stop it.
1: Yeah, you got to give to a like you you cannot just pump the brakes. You know, just because the Dolphins have had a gra- had a great team, you know, like the last the last year played great on on defense, an all-around team. Special teams was fantastic. And and Tua didn't wasn't as to the level of the defense. That doesn't mean he should be gone. That doesn't that, it's because of the offense that you, that he runs. It's it's too it's conservative. So how can you how can you compare Herbert to Tua, when they run totally different sets?
0: And let's and let's also let's also be fair. Justin Herbert is throwing to Keenan Allen. And Mike Williams. Right. Tua Tagovailoa, went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes with Mac Hollins and Isaiah Ford, at wide receiver. <laughs> his tight end and his number one receiver got hurt mid game. I was there. I watched the game. Yeah. We got our. Practice squad receivers running out there.
1: Right. That's
0: that's that's equal to when Carson Wentz was doing that in Philly when he was throwing to Greg Ward, the former quarterback of the Houston Cougars. He's out there playing wide receiver for him. So let's just, Dolphin fans, use some context. Use some context. Anyways, before we take a quick break and talk some college football, I, I do want to know your take. You're around Jacksonville. What's it like over there? I'm assuming it's similar to the Tampa Bay chatter. When When Tommy B went down to Tampa and n- now you guys got the prodigal son you got you got the Jaguar king you got trevor lawrence what what's what's it like down there in duval the The
1: thing is is that you would think that Trevor Lawrence would be like the talk of the town, but he really hasn't been because we have this guy called Tim Tebow who just runs the roost and all of the media, and like you can't really say that. Tim Tebow, like that's just the way his, his, you know, mantra, his like his um being is like everybody who follows Tim Tebow, he's a Jacksonville guy. Like it seems like it's a little overshadowed. Like Trevor Tr- Tr- Lawrence is the number one overall pick. He just signed a contract, what, two days ago, a year, day ago for $37 million. And it doesn't seem like he's the talk of the town. And it's, it's weird. It's really weird to me. Um, I, I, it's weird to have a lot of like hype for a guy who probably is not going to play a snap in the NFL this year.
0: I have a question I've been dying to ask you, Matty B because I, I want—I genuinely want to know your answer here. And I know you said Tim Tebow might not even make the roster. Let's just say he does. Let's just say his boy Urban Meyer says no. Yeah. I love him, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna keep him on the team. If Tim Tebow is on the game day roster week one. Who throws a touchdown pass first, Tim Tebow or Trevor Lawrence? Because I'm envisioning envisioning goal line, Trevor Lawrence puts a great drive together. His first drive as a quarterback, and then Urban runs Tim Tebow out there in some crazy formation, and and he throws a big touchdown. Wouldn't that be amazing?
1: No, this is going to No, this is going to happen. They're going to pull Trevor Lawrence, they're going to put Gardner Minshew out there, and they're going to do a touch pass to Tim Tebow on the 1-yard line. <laughs> or or Gardner Minshew does a little like, you know, run up and then throw over the top like Tim Tebow did at UF, you know, the little jump pass to Tim Tebow. And and, and that's how they're going to have a uh, a reference back in the day. They're, and and then Jacksonville's just going to go wild. TAA Bank is just going to go wild when it happens. But but it but all in all though I mean I'm excited about Trevor Lawrence I'm excited to have being living in a city with an NFL team and you know have the potential to watch I I'm gonna probably get the tickets to Broncos game my parents already got it but the second week of the season their their Broncos are playing Jags here so um, but yeah that would be fun to watch a, a first round a first overall pick similar to Tua Tonga Viola a lot of expectation. And we'll see how he, you know, does in a rookie year and what happens, you know, how the Jaguars fans, you know, react to having a, you know, four games, four win season, you know, again. So, I mean, last year though, they won two games, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how, how Trevor Lawrence actually responds to having a four win season.
0: And, and shout out, shout out New York Jets for, for blowing that pick. Shout out New York Jets for winning a game and getting the second pick and getting Zach Wilson uh, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show and talk some college football. Uh, we're just a few months away from Florida State football again, Matty P, and I know you're excited, so we can't wait to talk about it. Don't go nowhere. back to your final score podcast we are just a few minutes from wrapping up our 60th episode can you believe it maddie p 60 episodes on soundcloud and apple podcast
1: yeah it took, it took 60 million years to get here but it's 60
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our per year numbers are atrocious yeah All right. slow and steady wins the race um well we we're just a few months away from college football and uh year two under mike norvell in tallahassee as the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. He obviously, his first year was in weird circumstances with COVID-19. We ended up only playing, I think, nine games. Um, Ended up going three and six, but punctuated by a huge win at home against, I believe, number three or number five North Carolina. I can't remember exactly what they were ranked at the time, but I know they were top five, beat North Carolina at home. And then the last game of the season, we had a huge win against Duke where we rushed for 300-something yards, 400 yards on them. And um, it was just the, probably the most dominant I've seen us play running the football against a team in a long time. Um, and, we, you know, Florida State football has just been down for so many years. But I'm telling you right now, just being around the program and, like, being in that building every single day, I can see the light, Matty B. I can see the light. I I, I look at Mike Norvell, and we, me and my coworkers, we joke about it. Because during recruiting or your practices are just kind of starting off, season camps are just kind of starting off, and you, you'll you hear, like, I'll be down the hall behind, like, four closed doors, and I'll hear a guy yelling, let's go, let's go, let's go! Get your butt in here, let's move, move, move! And I'm like, what the Who the hell is yelling? And I and I look down the hallway, and it's Mike Norvell. And he's going 100 miles an hour, he's 110% all the time, and he's just breathing life into this program again, and it's so awesome to see, because he, he works... He grinds, and I think he's creating and developing players that also believe in the same things that he believes in
1: yeah i believe I believe in him, i believe I believe him when he talks, and that's the that's the big difference that I've noticed you know from past coaches we've had here. It's just his ability to you know make the audience believe what he's saying, and that's because of his work ethic and his 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 grinding and his just his, you know the, the way he approaches the game, is like Nick Saban, Dabo, you know all the big Kirby Smart, all the big dogs, they all have this you know mental fortitude to just every day to get better, and that and that's cliche in a sense, but I think Norvell is on the right track to bringing his program our program to that level and it's going to take some time no doubt but you have to be a and 150 every day to get to that level you know it's a little bit of a catch-up but but norvell is on the right track and I, I i really believe in him
0: every time i listen to mike norvell now i'll get like my my friend michael i work with he he makes a lot of the videos that end up on social media and anytime i i, I watch a video he makes where norvell's giving a speech or he's you know, talking to a guy during practice, I just want to run through a brick wall. Yeah. Every single time I hear him talk, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go run through a wall now. Yeah. And I hope to, put, I hope the guys on the on the field are going to be running through some walls. And I'm a little optimistic. I've I've been on the record. I'm looking at the schedule here. I'm looking at the Florida State schedule, and I'm I'm going nine wins, Matt. Wow. Nine wins. And I might be a little crazy. I might be optimistic, a little overly optimistic. But here's how my nine wins get there. Are you ready? Yeah. And listen, it's it's hard it's hard to pick us against Notre Dame. No it's at home. They've had some pretty dominating wins against us the last couple of years. It's hard to pick Notre Dame. Or hard to not pick Notre Dame in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't. I'll let the I'll I'll let football gods decide that game. But Jacksonville State, Wake Forest, Louisville, Syracuse, UMass, NC State, that's six. Boston College is seven. I think we take down Miami and Florida this year. Yeah. I think we take back the state of Florida. I think those are the two games, even if we don't win nine, I think Mike Norvell focuses on that Miami game and that Florida game more than anything else this season. Because if you win the state of Florida and you get state of Florida back, that does so much for you as a program in terms of your recruiting. Hundred percent. And and think about last year. Mike Norvell didn't get to go to the Miami game because he was in COVID protocol. Remember, he he couldn't right. travel. And
1: that changed the whole course of the season. Right. Because we lost we we lost our mental fortitude after that game, and the whole season was you know kaput after that.
0: If I if, if I, based on what I know about Mike Norvell and what I've seen of Coach Norvell. I'm sure he's been thinking about that damn game ever since he had to sit there on his couch and watch it. Yep. There's a part of me that really feels like we're finally going to get back at Miami this year. And I once agree. we do that, at the end of the year, if we're playing well, why not knock Florida off? Yep. Why, why can't we knock Florida off? Florida hasn't been that impressive. Let's be real. No, Have they really impressed me? Absolutely not.
1: No, oh, they, they can be beat.
0: They can 100% be beat. Especially if Coach Norvell and his coaching staff at that point, has gotten the team to believe they can win.
1: Right. If you if you win, if you're at six or seven wins, uh, at that point, you know if you've only lost like two or three games, you have something to play for. They're gonna probably win that game. You know, every every in every season we played Florida. Obviously, it's during Thanksgiving week. It's the last game of the season. We've literally had nothing to play for, and it's sad. Like we should but even even if we're down and we're 3 and 6 but like at that if we're have some momentum it, it all starts with Notre Dame like
0: if that's like, a game if, if that's, that's it, a game if
1: that's a game if we not we don't even have to win but if we're like lose by like 10 or less i that's that's great confidence as you get going because you know our schedule's not that difficult up until you know we get to Clemson and then Miami Florida and then and then we have North North Carolina if we if if we can steal two of those, you know, or you know, even if we steal one and we play well in, in the other ones. Like I'm confident that we can we can catapult this this program. You know, I, and I I think we can steal one in Notre Dame because it's at home. Notre North Carolina is going to be difficult cuz it's on the road. Clemson obviously is going to be probably a loss. But Miami and Florida, you split one of those, you know? Even if you, you beat Miami and you lose to Florida or vice versa, like that's two games that you probably shouldn't have won based on the rankings and stuff. And you what you're sitting at eight wins, that's a good season. That's a good season.
0: Um, well, last thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up this show, I, I kind of you know, we we're talking going back to the, the football recruiting and um, you know, 27 states now in the United States have passed the NIL name, image, likeness law and allowing college athletes to. To profit off of themselves in a way they have never been able to do before, um, how do you think that impacts college sports moving forward? I, I'm I'm interested to hear your take. No, I I'm I'm excited because it's new territory.
1: You know, the, we got guys left and right signing deals, making money, YouTube, um, you know, uh, sponsorships. You know, that guy from Tennessee uh, that had a two million dollar contract, like that. That stuff that would never have. You know been even talked about about five six years ago and and for that to happen you know it's really pivotal and it's it 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 needed to be done because scholarships yes they help athletes but they don't help them enough and there's not like like taking away your tuition having meals paid that's all great and dandy but that the school is making a crap ton of money off of these kids, no matter what. You know, it's 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 like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay them about like, you know, crumbs, and then I'm gonna in return I'm gonna get all these profits. So it it's gonna be it's gonna change the landscape of college football, no doubt. I mean, you're gonna have guys who are gonna be in commercials, you know, like Nike commercials and their college athletes. You're gonna have NCAA football coming back, thank God. Uh, you know, things like where that, that would never have been even talked about. And the thing is, is that you got people who are mad about this, but they're making, if you're a, an entrepreneur, if you're a businessman, you, a businesswoman, you're and you have this business, and you're making money off of your likeness already, right? Why can't a, a college athlete do the same thing when you know that their image, their likeness is more profitable or or they can make money off of it and the thing is they're mad because they will make more money than those people than the businessman businesswoman the entrepreneur you know people are like working hard 20 years to build a business and then you have these kids that come in to college and because they got put in a commercial they get paid a million dollars or whatever for a contract but that's what they deserve because their image is out there you know, they're in, like that's what sells in college football. That's why people go to games. Because the athletes are playing on the field. You know? So it's it, it's no different than having a business that you've built all your life and you're it's because people are, are are pissed off. They're pissed off because
0: uh, an eighteen year old kid is gonna make more money than they, they, hey, they will or ever will. Give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. That's all I gotta say. Give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. I, I know you can't give him his money. Because that doesn't make any sense. You can't go back and reverse inflate and retroactively give money. But give him his damn trophy back. Well, Matty P., we've uh, we've reached our time today, but always a pleasure talking on the podcast. And I hope everybody that tuned in, I hope everybody that tuned in on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, enjoyed it. Uh, please leave some comments. Let us know what you think about it. If we don't talk enough about baseball or, or hockey or other sports, you can you can put it in the comments. We may not listen to you. But, but please put it in there. Uh, we will be back after Game 2 of the NBA Finals to talk about the first two games and kind of reassess our series and, and what we think of the have been the X-Factors through the first two games in Phoenix. And then obviously anything going on, we'll also talk about that. But thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. Matty P., as always, a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.